Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. This show is brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash Elder Scrolls Lorecast. Robots Radio presents... Scrolls Lorecast, a place where the Elder Scrolls community can come together to discuss the boundaries of our knowledge about the universe of the Elder Scrolls. Adventurers, welcome back to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. This is your host, Tom, or Robots, and I am back with my wonderful co-host, Lotus of Doom. Lotus, what's going on, buddy? How you doing? Hey, hey, I am doing quite well. I'm doing quite well. This is going to be interesting because this is kind of a follow up to an episode originally recorded, but before I was part of the show consistently. So, yeah, yeah. So we're changing some things up a little bit and I I want to give some background to this. Today's episode is we're going back. We're going back in time, everybody. We're going back to. I, th- I think this might have been episode four or five. Uh, this is back when when I was doing the uh, man. This is three years ago when I was doing the show by myself and I started to tackle the Daedric Princes. We're going to be talking about Azura. This is Azura Revisited. We'll be going into recapping some of the basics, but then going in some other directions than I did originally with the original episode about Azura because uh, for a few reasons. One, as a lot of you now know, the first uh, other than the first episode, episode two through like 90. So the first 90 ish episodes are now uh, cataloged and part of the Patreon. So if you want to listen to those episodes, they're still available, but they I I gave a big explanation. It's like one of the first episodes you can listen to if you scroll all the way back to the top of the feed. Uh, But those are still still available. But that early version of the show doesn't really represent what Lotus and I now do with the show. And it's still available. But A lot of those episodes did cover a lot of these basic topics, and I've had some people reach out and they're like, you know, it would still be nice to be able to hear some of those things covered on the show. And I was like, you know, that's fair. It's fair. Some people can't afford the Patreon and and I get it. So I figured we should at least go back over the Daedric Prince's. On the free episodes of the show, we have the Aedra, which Lotus and I covered, and we have the creation story, which is free. It's episode one, which I made free to make sure everyone could at least get that. And I thought, okay, well, let's go over the Daedric Princes. So at least you have the Aedra, the creation and the Daedric Princes. You've got all of those covered. And then maybe we'll go back over the the main playable races again or something like that later on down the line. And at least you've got that stuff. And then if you're interested in any of those other 90 episodes, you can still get them on the Patreon. So here we are revisiting Azura. We're not going to cover everything all over again. There's going to be some stuff I mentioned in that original episode, so you can still go back and listen to that and get some some of the content that I originally did there that we're not going to cover today. But we're going to go into some stuff that's a little bit different. And what's fun about this version of us going into Azura is that Lotus is here this time. So you're not just going to get my take on the Daedric Princes. You're going to get him bringing in some of his perspective, and we're going to cover some of the details that I didn't get a chance to cover the first time. So, 
So here we go. Lotus, this is exciting. I think this is going to be a dun, lot of fun. Dun. Yeah. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. So, <laughs> so, uh, so how do you feel about this? Let's just, I want to throw you in here and make sure that you get, um, you get a say. I, I, I think this is, uh, a, a good way to do this because uh, like you said it it's a way of kind of readdressing something that we you had done before i joined the show um obviously but at the same time the idea is to kind of give as much of this like information as possible so what we can do at least you know, was, was my theory when, you know, we talked about this a little bit is the Patreon things, which, you know, you don't want to necessarily exclude anything off, but it's like an incentive off to the side. Those can kind of be like a, Hey, this is how we used to do stuff. And now it's sort of like, all right, cool. Here's what we've got in the new format where we can do a quick overview. And if you want the basics, that's kind of like the older episode. Right. And now we can kind of take it in some different directions and get deeper. Like we had referenced before when we did some of these episodes, where it's like, well, we'll circle back. I kind of hate that phrase, but we'll circle back to it. <laughs> right. Like um, a boardroom meeting. Like we're I, in a corporate. I was going to say, all right, everybody All right, team. Spell Excel spreadsheets. Right. Um, we'll circle back. But, uh, yeah. yeah. But yeah. like mm. we, in this case, we are literally circling back to it so that we can kind of, uh, touch on a couple deeper uh, things that you can have. And like, it's a lot to do because there's so many Daedric princes, so many races, so many areas in Tamriel. So right, it's like, we, right. there's a lot to cover in topics that have already been covered. Right. Right. And uh, Rob, the princess in chat says, why not all the races? The sky is the limit. And uh, that's a good point. In fact, I believe Lotus and I have covered a lot of the other races beyond right. the original ones. And so that's why I bring up going back over some of the original ones again, you know, yeah. in a similar way where we can go back over them different and, direction to it and yeah, get a little bit deeper again. But so here, let's let's just dive in. Um, and just as a recap, the Daedra Daedra means not our ancestors. It comes from the original Aldmeri or Alt Altmeri, I believe. It, it originally Aldmeri became the Altmeri. The Alt the Altmer claim that the Daedra are not their ancestors because they believe that they were descended from the gods, but not from these specific powers. So Azura is one of the Daedric princes, and prince is a term that is used very broadly. It means just royal power, roughly. Yeah, it's it's unlike it's, in generic just English, it's not like a gender binary prince or princess. Um, it it's kind of ambiguous because the other thing which in many of the stories and also from varying from game to game, um, Daedric princes are gender fluid, gender neutral in many cases. It that's not really something that applies to them because they're these weird out of universe, out of body uh, beings in just varying degrees of power. So, like, right. it, don't get too hung up because when I first started the series, I was like, I kind of don't get it because like it didn't click at first. It was like, wait, is that like a typo? This one's a prince. That's it's prince in a different word in in this lore right so um, azura is particularly confusing because most of the time azura presents themselves as feminine and this is something that the the daedra and the adra have the ability to do they choose how they present themselves right they they are powerful enough and they are 
beyond the limitations of needing a physical body but when they do decide to present themselves to mortals they do so in a way that the mortals can at least in some way understand them so they choose some form to present themselves so right azura almost always presents themselves so we'll say herself as feminine but right. we would still call her a daedric prince and according here i'm just going to pull the text right from the uesp and we're not going to do this a ton uh because this is what i did in those early episodes but this is a great synopsis right at the top azura the queen of dawn and dusk also known as azura of the crimson gate the mother soul moon shadow mother of the rose queen of the night sky and the rim of all holes the cosmic severer and called azura by the khajiit and so she's got a bunch of titles she shows up a lot throughout history in lots of different ways and like many of the daedric princes is almost always getting in the affairs of the mortals for some reason of her own and this is another aspect of the daedra is that they're they, they tend to have reasons that we don't necessarily understand because they are beyond our own mortal limitations we we try to understand why they're messing in our world but uh, our as if as if we're individuals you know <laughs> right. in in the mortal realm but we we can't we can't understand so uh, the daedra in general and especially the daedric princes are other their motivations are different than ours but what we do understand is that most of the time each daedric prince tends to be of a certain a certain type and this is something that we talk about a lot like we talked with our our patrons um when we were talking about villains and we were talking about how certain daedric princes tend to tend to have kind of an mo they tend to do right. certain things or create certain things and they tend to represent certain kinds of things that we as mortals can represent as destruction or ambition or like these we can kind of boil them down to certain types of words um and she's not that different in that she represents certain kinds of things so for example her sphere is dawn and dusk the magic in between realms of twilight um, mystery magic fate prophecy and then also vanity and egotism so when yeah. you think about her think about those types of things this mystery magic fate prophecy um and then the one big thing with azura is that whereas so many of the other daedra princes don't really care what their followers think of them as long as they maintain a certain following as long as they are worshipped by the the mortals that they have brought to their cause they're good azura wants to be loved yes, <laughs> this is this very is much so yeah this is her big thing is that she she not only wants to build a following she wants to be she doesn't want to just be worshipped she wants to be loved and that is something that distinctly separates her from the other daedra yes um and and kind of playing off that um almost i guess you could kind of say this is she she's the most extreme example um we had mentioned you know kind of a little bit more of she tends to meddle a bit more in human affair or, or you know not necessarily just humans more as well but like uh, and, mortals and mortal affairs, affair yeah mortal affairs yeah. exactly that's that's the word i'm looking for um 
the thing is she is possibly the most um what with this idea of wanting to be loved and everything like that when you've got some that we had discussed molag ball and stuff being like okay this is like snidely whiplash twirling villain type of deal <laughs> right, right um she's possibly the most benevolent or quote-unquote good of the daedric princes meridia is also possibly regularly mistakenly put in that category she and I mean, seems to them, be good right yes right um almost to the point of chaotically good um, but <laughs> it then turns out it's got like these weird regardless um the, the the thing is with with azura if she's trying to get people to love her it will be advantageous to her to have people want to love her so as a result she's going to do things that most likely would make mortals happy um hence they would reciprocate that it's this loving relationship and it's for a rather vain reason when you when you look kind of past the surface value it's like well it's a very selfish reason to be nice to other people um but it's it's one of those situations where Mortals generally, not not always, um, generally will have probably a better experience dealing with Azura than some of the other ones, uh, you know, that are either just straight up nefarious or, or really that this isn't a goal of theirs, since she actually does care about what mortals think of her. Right, right. She tends to be more approachable than a lot of the other right Daedric princes. Um, yes, she's not the going to. The illusion of being good is is more prevalent with her. Right, right. She and and because of that, she's highly worshipped. She's there are temples to her in many locations across many different societies. Uh, you know, men and Mer and uh, Khajiit, especially uh, they call her Azura. Um, in let's talk about the Khajiit. In the Khajiiti lore, she is uh, the one they attribute to having introduced moon sugar into their culture. And as we know, moon sugar is a very important export. It's a very important part of their uh, their trade, but it's also an important ingredient in. Um, oh crap! The uh, in skooma skooma. I was like I the really word just skooma. fell out of my head in in skooma, which. It was very, very important to the Khajiit. So <laughs> now, did she do that because that is beneficial to the Khajiit? Or did she do that because it was beneficial to herself and right. brought did about more keep, love? Did that keep them hooked to her in a way? Exactly. Deal? Is, she, yeah. is she their sugar mama? You know? Yes, li- <laughs> literally in this case. Right, right. So, you know, and what's also interesting about this is in the Khajiit lore, she was a spawn of Fadime, who is, that's the representation uh, that's the Kajiti word for padme yep. and when we go back into the creation story anu and padme you've got um order and chaos and all of that we're not going to re- recap all of that here but that goes back to this one of the potential explanations that gets tossed around in the mythologies of the daedra being descended from the padmeic side of the the creation and that the daedra themselves are more in line with chaos than with order and there's a lot that is dis, uh, disputed about that in some of the some of the different faiths and that 
that isn't actually um, a lot of the faiths don't side with that explanation. But I think that there is probably some um, if, if that isn't necessarily true, there is some uh, truish truish feelings to that in that the Daedra feel to be chaotic. If that makes yeah, sense. Well, it's because they're so unpredictable. Unbe right. The inability uh, of mortals supposedly to understand uh, these, you know, millennia old, occasionally kalpa spanning beings. It's just like, it could seem like it has a, a, a you know, one direction, but it could be something that's a long play from another plan plan that's gone through several iterations. Like it's it's very hard to keep track of, and as a result, a lot of their actions can seem super chaotic to that point. Right, right. So in the actual story, um, so according to Kajidi legend, Azura was one of the many children of Fatime and the only of her children who did not abandon her as she neared death. Fatime gave Azura three secrets as a reward for her loyalty, telling her to choose one of the children of Nirni, so Nirn, the mortal races, and change them and name them Kajidi or Kajit. Right. The, the Khajiit were given three gifts to be the most beautiful, clever and fastest creatures in the world. So this, of course, ties back to the Khajiit lore about all of this stuff and why they think so highly of themselves in those regards. But um, it's interesting and it ties back to this part of the nature of why people think the Daedra are tied to Padme and, and all of that stuff, at least in the Khajiiti side of the lore. So it, there's a lot of these things that kind of cross certain cultural boundaries as well which is right which is interesting so the other another culture that's very tied to azura are the dunmer the dark elves and this has a lot to do with the um, very tied <laughs> very 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 tied this has a lot to do with the anticipations uh the tri tribunal and then of course the story of the elder scrolls 3 morrowind and we could do lotus you and i could do an entire month of episodes on all of this right. um long story short Azura, uh, Boethia, and um, uh, Meridia? Is that the other one? Uh, uh, Mafala. I'm sorry. Mafala. Yeah. I knew the other M. Um, were, are considered in Dunmer faith as the good Daedra. They're the ones who helped the Dunmer out, and they're the ones that were originally worshipped by the Dunmer. They have the anticipations of the tribunal. So Thassil, Almalexia, and Vivek right and all of this stuff was well and good until the events of the elder scrolls 3 where azura decided well you know what it's time for a change and she's actually behind the events of the Nerevar, the, the character that you play in the elder scrolls 3 and all of the basically the main events in the elder scroll 3 are all brought to fruition through azura and her guidance of the main character. Right. And again, you, you, you know, we had mentioned uh, kind of like plans coming about over time. And it's like, this was a very long play basically to provide a form of exacting revenge on the tribunal for betraying Indril Nerevar back at the battle of red mountain which was you know way back when they kind of like came into their divinity um 
and and it's like this was a slow play to get back at them mm-hmm. um which that you know without like you said going through the entirety of elder scrolls 3 morrowind um it, that's where you come into play as the main character of the Nerevarian. Like yeah, the so, resurrected Nerevar. Yes, yeah. Right, right. Um, so like that's just it. And it's like there's a lot at play as to who's right, who's wrong, who's getting betrayed. Everybody seems like they're getting betrayed at some point during this during that storyline from the Battle of Red Mountain onward type of deal. Um and it's also, you know, a direct tie in, which we'll get into uh, in, in a little bit uh, with a lot of the Dromeri because they're eliminated at the Battle of Red Mountain type of thing. And that's that's a, a, another Moorish race that's very tied into the whole Morrowind thing. Um, and, you know, all of these races, areas and all of this stuff, they tie together through these long, long threads throughout the series, which is really fascinating how much these characters just like play into so many events because, uh, you know, what we can mention the fact that uh, from the vanity and that side of things, Mm -hmm. um, when, when Azura was, basically felt slighted that Indural Nerevar was betrayed. Um, she punished all the Dunmer by giving <laughs> them ashen skin and red eyes, um, yeah, yeah. which is like that. Talk about condemning an entire people for the actions of a few like yeah, that is that's kind of biblical, really flying off the handle. Yeah, that's like a biblical like, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Rob, the princess, says it's another reason why I think Azura is evil and is that the Dunmer call three of them good Daedra. We know Welsh. We know basically that Mephala Bo- Boethia are evil AF. <laughs> right. And right. I'm not trusting their judgment. Um, yeah. But yeah, but that's the whole thing is that like it's it's a matter of degrees it's a matter of perspective like have they been doing good things to me well then yes they're good for me but they're bad for other people but i don't care about the other people yeah but oh what do they matter that's not directly impacting me like (laughs) right all of that stuff gets really sketchy depending on what perspective you're looking at it from um so there's a lot there to unpack um, but yeah, Azura shows up a lot. She shows up in the Morrowind storyline in Elder Scrolls Online. She yes. um, she shows up in a lot of different quest lines through each of the games. And yes, her artifact is very common. Her artifact and is very, awesome. very common, the star. So we're going to talk about the star. We're going to talk. There's a, a specific thing that you wanted to bring up. Yep. We're going to bring that up on the second half of the show. So we're going to get into a little bit more about this because she's a really interesting character. And um, I mean, it seems like she's good, but... As with all of these, she's got her own interests at heart. Yeah, she's good with a lot of italicies and quotation marks. <laughs> right. She ultimately is looking for love from mortals. She's not necessarily on the side of the mortal. She's getting something out of it. So, mm, is is it really is it really good? We'll have to discuss that when we get back. But we're going to thank our patrons. We'll be right back. The skies are marked with numberless sparks. Each a fire and every one a sign. 
All right. So here we are in the middle of the show. And thank you to everybody who helps to support this show. Thank you to all of our patrons. We've got some new patrons to call out. We have LP and Michael W, who are our newest patrons. Thank you for signing up. And if we've done anything to help you get through your workday, your workout, your drive to work, or, you know, just chilling on the couch playing Elden Ring while listening to our podcast. Ooh, cross-branding. <laughs> cross-branding. That doesn't make any sense. But, man, Elden Ring's great. I've been playing that game because it's awesome. Uh, I've been trying to convince El- <laughs> Lotus to play it. Um, <laughs> then uh, go to patreon.com slash Elder Scrolls Lorecast and check out all the different things you can get. And, uh, man, we really do appreciate your support. All Holy crap, 76 of you guys who are now our patrons. You can get ad-free episodes. You can get T-shirts. You can join us on future episodes of the show. And a big shout out to our tier five supporters, Mr. Gami Boy and Noodle Al Dente. You guys are awesome. Thank you to all of you guys. And I can't wait. I've got some more notifications about some new things being uh, wrapped up from production and being shipped out. So hopefully some of you guys are getting some new T-shirts and stickers pretty soon. So that's always exciting. And uh, this is also part of the show where we do the uh, part where, <laughs> where I get to read the new reviews and stuff. But we don't have any new reviews on on Apple Podcasts. So if you are enjoying the show and you listen on Apple Podcasts, drop us a five star rating with a review. I would love to read out your message on a few future episode of the show and if you listen on spotify you can also leave us a rating on there any five star ratings really do help us out it's one of those things where it's like it's either five stars or it's like it's kind of crappy so it's ironically yeah. it's five stars or you hate us yeah. which is weird it's it's kind of dumb but <laughs> even if that's not the case but <laughs> if you enjoy the show please give us a five star rating it really really does help and we really do appreciate it but thank you to everybody who supports the show you guys are amazing you help me make this a career and i really do appreciate it and also one last thing i have officially launched the lord of the rings lore cast if you didn't catch that i announced it on the last episode of the show and it is available the next episode Episode two will be up on Monday for everybody. Mondays will be the official uh, new episode days. And it is it is a big project. There's a lot to talk about. I start with the creation of Tolkien's world, and I'm super proud of it. I'm taking everything I've learned from this show and all the other lore casts that I do, putting out a brand new show. I think you guys are going to love it. If you love the Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, The Silmarillion. I want to learn more about the background of the world. I've been watching a lot of J.R.R. Tolkien's interviews from the 1960s. Man, there's a lot of cool stuff I'll be talking about on that show. So go check it out. Whatever podcatcher you're listening to this on right now, just go look it up. It's available everywhere. I'd love for you to check it out. But thanks again to all of our patrons. Let's get to the rest of the show. Yes, yes, you're entirely brilliant. Conquering madness and all that. Blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, this is a funny thing that I was going to bring up. Um, Jay Austin in chat says the adoring fan mentions her name at least a billion times. So remember the adoring adoring fan from Oblivion? Yes, I was actually just responding to that in chat. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He's got that Um, uh, like the funny hair. It's like yellow. By Azura, by Azura, by Azura. Yes. With his little blonde faux hawk. Oh, my God. Yeah. You can tell that like he is a big fan of Azura. yeah, that's that's one of those funny little things to point out. But Lotus, uh, let's talk about your your little bit that you wanted to talk about. All right. So I um the the one I specifically wanted to mention, which I uh, I needed to look up specifically before the show, um, is a story called Ancient Tales of the Dwemer, Part Eleven, um, Azura and the Box. Um, this is a 
really good story. Um, I don't really know. I, I, I'm not good at just reading exactly off a thing without pauses. So I don't know if it's worth reading exactly. So I will say, look up the actual book mm -hmm. as opposed to me dictating it to you. Um, but what I'll do is just kind of give a quick synopsis. But the idea behind this book is it shows some of the fallibility of the Daedric Princes, which is interesting because so oftentimes it just seems like they're basically these gods um, that have limitless power. And they, they try don't. to present themselves that way. Yes, they definitely do. And they, they are very powerful. Um, however, you know, I had mentioned before that the Dwemer, well, the Dwemer very much have little to do with religion in this world and much more to do with hard science it seemed like that was really their thing they they were very cold they were very calculating it let them to be very brutal because it was just like look it's all about efficiency and it has nothing to do with like sympathy toward anyone else hence how you know the farmer ended up getting created exactly and stuff like that but what happens in this book is there is a uh, Dwemer scholar. Oof, I was going to say. <laughs> Are you going to read the name? God, I, I don't have any marbles to put in my mouth to try to say this. <laughs> but uh, I guess it's Nilchabar would be how it's pronounced. Yeah, Nichelbar, uh, yeah. Nichelbar, maybe? Mm -hmm. Nickelback. Yeah, Nichelbar. Or Nickelback. Um, but either way, <laughs> Nichelbar, we'll go, we'll go with Nichelbar, um, basically poses this um, puzzle box and he puts a flower in the box and through <laughs> it's kind of funny because it makes you wonder how much of this would be folktale, but through some trickery, uh, Mitchell Barr basically makes a bet with Azura about what's in that, what's in this box. And I assume through her power, she, she knows what's in the box and basically says so. And through a sleight of hand in front of a class of students, as, as he's like an instructor, he shows the box and the box is empty. And she more or less just is pissed like that's that's right <laughs> she's she, like she is he's son of a bitch yeah she is furious um uh oh nickel bar okay and actually you know what uh thank you chat so i think it is nickel bar as well because um that that's a really great way to put it because um in a Skyrim book club, which is another podcast where they literally just narrate the books. This is a, he does a great job with this one. Uh, I believe it's a guest actually for this specific episode. So if you don't want to read it yourself, that's another way to do it. Um, <laughs> but yes, I, I think it's nickel bar. I, I, thank you. Um, but either way, the, the, the main point of this is he basically one up, sir through trickery and sleight of hand where he gets it up his sleeve, so to speak. Um, and it infuriates her. She doesn't lash out and like blow up everybody or anything like, like the thing at red mountain, but 
you can the story portrays that this basically gets inside her head like she she was outdone by him she was made to look a fool and it limits how like it basically shows how fallible her power is in front of the Dwemeri students to which that was his point. He was basically trying to show that they, they have limited power. Like they're not all that. And that that's basically what is done. Um, and it's interesting because it really shows that something as simple as playing off the vanity that she has of, well, look how powerful I am. Look how smart I am, blah, blah, blah. Like I'll very easily do be able to prove this simple thing. It's thrown back at her where he uses some stupid trick to prove his point, which she was right. She knew what was in it because she does have this power, but then through her own frustration, she doesn't see the answer to how he got around her knowing the puzzle type of thing. And I feel like this story specifically embodies the fact that with Azura and it's exacerbated by, you know, same situation with how she lashes out at all Dunmer after the battle of red mountain is she may appear to be this benevolent helping. Oh, love me and I'll love you. And things are all great. But when you scorn her or insult her vanity, that is really, you see the real side of Azura that she tries to hide away from mortals. Right. Uh, right. And she, she really like, she'll basically hinder herself through her own inability to control her emotion like it, it sounds kind of ridiculous but her emotional response to things is very human in that way with this story and uh, through other situations she likes to provide that she looks tempered but that's not necessarily the case and she seems like a bit more of a, uh, a reactive emotionally mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. daedric prince than some of the others which is which is a little unusual, but it also explains why some of her actions are the way they are. Right. Have you ever dealt with somebody whose face, like they're smiling on the outside, but their eyes look like daggers? Yes. It's like one of those things like, come children, you're safe with me. I will forgive you. Yeah, And it's like her mouth is smiling, but there's something wrong with her eyes. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. it's like, uh, yeah, it's, it's like, uh, or like, you know, that boss who's like, yeah, everybody, it'll be, it's totally going to be fine. We'll definitely get the raises. Don't, don't, you don't have to worry. And it's like, mm, I don't think I believe you. There's and something it's like, wrong with your face. You're smiling, mm-hmm. but. Mm, yeah right yeah and, and and what she wants to portray kind of betrays what kind of is behind that facade in a lot of right. situations and the facade drops when when she gets called out like this. When, when she gets called out right and you know that's kind of you know nickel bar in this situation with with this book specifically um you know it, it's really he made his thing to prove a point of basically like I can totally get under your skin and it works because yeah, that's yeah. what that's what Dwemer liked to do in a lot of situations was oh you think you're so smart well 
counterpoint. Yeah. Here's me like <laughs> the Dwemer. The Dwemer were like the well, actually, yes. race. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. It very neck bearding it up in that situation. Uh, <laughs> that makes me that makes me think about all the pictures of the Dwemer. I think a lot of them actually do have neck beards. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me Yagrim Bagarn is a neckbeard? Yagrim Bagarn. I have a so, b- b- beautiful neckbeard. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just, I feel like that is a um, just another example of like the fallibility of some of these Daedric Princes when they, they want you to think they're more powerful than they actually are. So mm-hmm. I definitely recommend reading the entire book or listening to it. Ancient Tales of the Dwemer, Part 11, Azura and the Box. If you go through the whole story, it's not overly long. But it's it, not it, super it, long. It's maybe it, 15 paragraphs. Um, yeah. but One I mean, part. Can I point out yeah. one part on here? Yes, the, please do, because I first, love this book. The first paragraph after the publisher's note towards the bottom says, This is another tale whose origin is unmistakably Dwemer. Again, <laughs> the words of some Aldmeris trans, translations are, are quite different, but the essence of the story is the same. The Dunmer have a similar tale about Nickelbar, but in the Dunmer version, Azura recognizes the trick and refuses to answer the question. She slays the Dwemer present for their skepticism and curses the Dunmer for blasphemy. <laughs> I'm so, I, it was funny because that's actually, I'm glad you brought that up because that was how I wanted to end was okay. the alternate version of this uh-huh. is so funny because like it's even more extreme where I said, it's not like she just blows everybody up unless you read the other version which is annotated at the bottom where it's like oh no actually she goes completely nuts and murders people and curses other people it's like okay so that made her like even less refined like. right right but i mean just think about it like we're like we the mortals are ants yeah these to these powerful creatures right and it's very much how dare you even presume to one-up me like right. the fact that you would dare to try to outsmart me is in and of itself an insult right. like like how, how dare you squish yeah <laughs> like <laughs> exactly i don't need this yep i've got and better things yeah. to do <laughs> giant magnifying glass and suddenly it's uh right. the star part of moon and star and i even decided to give you two minutes of my time right it's like <laughs> done how with dare you. you waste them right so yeah. yep so it's a very very uh very amusing read if you get the chance yeah so a few other things i want to point out um azura's symbols are this the star this or the the five-sided star it looks like a sun or a star and the moon um, and the shirts that I designed for the Patreon, um, there's a star and a moon. So we have all the Daedric Princess symbols. Yep. Um, so that one, some of you guys will be getting or already have. And uh, the five points of the star are also part of the aspects of, of Azura worship. This is something I didn't, I don't think I went over on the first, the first time we covered Azura. And they are prophecy. So prophecy is her province and that which is seen by the night sky or by the night sky queen must eventuate however dimly it may appear to mortal foresight for mortals are not all given the gift of crystal vision nor can they always endure knowledge of the truth it sounds so uppity <laughs> dawn is the second one dawn is the time of imminence when azura touches us with wisdom and purpose it is then we speak the supplication for guidance and tremble in fear that it may be answered 
Notice how dependent we are on her. Mm-hmm. Third one, rose is her color and her flower. The moon shadow, her abode is risen, um, is as risen is the sun. Tend we then by midday our mortal necessities, conserving always some part of ourselves for when the sun slides low. So she's of the day. Dusk is when we turn our hands to Azura's commands. Then we praise her with our dark evening acts and glorify her with chastening of noncompliance. And then fate is the book that she writes in to inscribe our worth and deserts. For by our acts do we earn her regard or disdain and read our destiny in her prophecy. And this is the book called The Five Points of the Star by Sigala Parrot. Parate? I don't know. It has an easy Sure. End. Why not? Right? I mean, I choked over my Dwemer name. I don't <laughs> see how I would be much help here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so this is this is, has something to do with how you worship her. I, I would have to study this more to understand what all of that stuff actually means. Uh, maybe this is something we can dig back into in the future. But uh, Prophecy, Dawn, Rose, Dusk, and Fate are the five points of the star for, for worship. So there you go that's with that cool stuff um now some other fun fun little fun little did you knows um this is something we've talked about before and I, <laughs> so there is in the real world and i know you know about this one lotus and a lot of our listeners probably do too there is a resort in the country of turkey yes called the azura deluxe resort and spa in the city of alanya which opened in 2015 it has statues of Azura, like Azura they, from the video game. They, they are so it, it's hard to um, I, you can you can look this up, but they are not even like not. They are straight up three dimensional statues of the statue from Skyrim. Right, like it right. is the statue from Skyrim. Right. Uh, standing out front right. of this place as as like plinths <laughs> yeah like gigantic woman holding a five-pointed star and a moon yes and there right. are multiple of them all over this resort there are like um, somebody must have either one been a fan of the game enough to design a resort around it or two been completely ignorant and just found the image online and was like oh what a beautiful image to design a resort around right i'm sure this isn't copyrighted or anything like that uh, <laughs> right and it, actually it's funny uh that we actually get to reference this one this time because we found out about this uh basically arc uh, yeah, Arkanir. Tamriel. Yeah, lives in Turkey. This up, and yeah, everybody was like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "Hold on, I will find it." And he found mm-hmm. it, and then all of a sudden, it started popping up all over the internet, like pri- promptly after we had that episode, because he like brought this to like people's attention, I guess, where it was like, "This is a legitimate thing," like that. Really, I'm amazed that it's just like not a bigger deal. Like this seems like a thing that would become a legal big deal <laughs> yeah i mean bethesda would have to do something about it and it would have to deal with turkish law 
Turkish law. Right. right. So I, I so, mean, there's probably a lot to it or they're just like, whatever. We're not making a hotel. Like, yeah. They're, <laughs> probably, they're probably like, it re- does it really matter that much? Yeah. It's probably like, not. whatever. Yeah. It's not like somebody made like a Mario hotel and Nintendo's like, okay, well, we're going to sue you for that. You know? Yeah. It's, it's like, okay, we, we literally have an amusement park. A hotel is not even that far off at this right. point. Like, yeah. We're, we're definitely going to sue you, sue you for a Mario hotel. Like, <laughs> right. it's not like people are searching like, where can I find a hotel for Azura? I'm such a big fan of her specifically from the Elder Scrolls game. Like, right. I don't think that's drawing people to it, but yeah, maybe, exactly. maybe it yeah. is. I, what if, what if we, what if we got, oh my God. So one of the things that I've considered doing is having like a robots radio, like fest, like where we get a bunch of people to come down to Florida and we all go to the beach together like once a year <laughs> or something. And COVID has definitely gotten in the way of that idea. Yeah, that's that's going to slow that idea down a bit. It's absolutely. better. It absolutely ha- has. But what if we, for some reason, all had enough money to go to Turkey? Just go to Turkey. Just <laughs> go to that hotel. Right. Go to the Missouri Hotel. That would be perfect. Look, they could just design it like um, the spokes of a wheel mm-hmm. and each wing of the hotel is just a different Daedric Prince. Perfect perfect Bethesda, you, know I mean? you need to get on this like you don't yeah. have to do an entire theme park but you could just do like a elder scrolls one, hotel right just one hotel in vegas you could just have the or yeah. the oribus hotel B- beautiful i mean we basically go there when reveals happen so right. just it, it's it's meant to be yeah but can you could you imagine like a bethesda land with like Fallout World and Elder Scrolls World and do ooh Doom, can you imagine like a Actually, Doom roller coaster where you've got like so, guns and you got to shoot stuff as you go through it? Oh my I god! I love how we've derailed it. This completely is so derailed. at the end here. Yeah, but remember, uh, it was maybe two or three um e3s ago they had the bethesda land showcase and they had yeah. the faux amusement park yeah just make that a reality yeah that's exactly what popped in my head just, yep just make that a reality oh my god yeah doom laser tag oh my god that would be awesome and then some dude shows up in like a big monster suit and you got to like take him down like that oh man that would be awesome all right so anyway other things of note this is actually really cool here do you guys remember who linda carter is yeah. Do you know the name Linda Carter? Wonder Woman as well as, uh-huh. I was going to say, uh-huh. many a voice in the Elder Scrolls series. Yep, yep. Uh, yes. She's voiced a lot of characters. She was also the uh, Miss uh, World USA pageant winner. Yep. Um, but yeah, um, she she was a Wonder Woman in the 1970s. Yeah, she um, was the wife of, uh, oh my God, I'm spacing on his name. He is, well, was, he, he passed away. Um, the... Um, owner of zenimax oh really okay yes. yeah i don't think i realized oh yeah yeah, oh yeah. okay now that you say yeah, that that does oh my god ring a bell. i, I um, why can't i think of his name oh my I god i can't think of I, his name either because he was supposedly a super nice dude from everything i yeah. heard yeah it was about a what, year and a half two years ago uh, yeah a little while ago yeah um, um yeah that was unfortunate um she yeah. is the voice of azura she you know famous actress played wonder woman in the 70s like you know a leading female role in a superhero tv series by the way sorry that was really gonna bother me not actually mentioning (laughs) yeah yeah um but yeah robert altman was who it was right so here she is this is some of the end dialogue so spoilers if you don't want to know the end dialogue for the elder scrolls 3 morrowind which is almost 20 years old at this point oh my god 18 years old i think um i'm literally turning into a skeleton on screen because that's like my favorite game isn't that amazing isn't that amazing (laughs) i played that in like high school so check this out this is her (laughs) 
as Azura in that game. But let the weeping cease. The blight is gone, and the sun's golden honey gilds the land. Hail, Saviour, Hortator, and Nereverine. Your people look to you for protection. Monster and villains, great and small, still threaten the people of Vardenfell. Enemies and evils abound, yet indomitable will might rid Morrowind of all its ills. For you, our thanks and blessing, our gift and token given, come, take this thing from the hand of God. This thing from the hand of God. <laughs> yeah, she's not humble in any way, is she? No, um, no, she's very grounded. <laughs> very grounded. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, th- I thought that was really cool, too. Yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah, and then, of course, the adoring fan. That was the other thing I wanted to bring up. But uh, one, yep. of our, one of our uh, live chat members. Oh, yeah, members. yeah, the adoring fan from uh, Elder Scrolls for Morrowind is, is very amusing. Yeah. Yeah, but there's shrines all over the place. She shows up in a lot of. She's a more quests. prominently displayed um, Daedric Prince than some of the others as well. It's almost like she's a little more universally accepted. Um, whereas you know some of the shrines and stuff are a little more set back. They're hidden. They're not talked about quite as much. Um, specifically, the one in Skyrim. It looks like a, a freaking monument, like mm-hmm. out by Windhelm. It's just like this thing is a landmark it is not hidden it is it is prominently displayed so yeah yeah that's um this is interesting villain uh in chat uh looked it up um may 1st 2002 was when morrowind came out i was thinking 2004 so it will be 20 years yes yes oh my gosh holy holy mother Mm -hmm. by azura yeah by azura Yes. Oh, my gosh. But yeah, it makes sense. I mean, she's a little bit more acceptable, even if there might be daggers underneath those eyes. Right. Exactly. So there you go. But that's Azura. Um, definitely covered some stuff different than we did or I did on the first yeah, time. Yeah, hopefully those are some different interesting bits to fill in a little more. I mean... You can never really, I guess, cover entireties of all of these things because there's so much, again, that you can just speculate on. But it's just like, it's kind of nice to readdress some of these things and just talk about some other stuff because we do try to keep this to an hour. Yeah. You can ramble on for, you know, <laughs> as long as you want going into some of these topics. So. Ramble on. <laughs> that was my... Uh... <laughs> That was a beautiful talk. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah. Uh, The the other fun thing about these episodes is that as you're playing through the games and you come across a quest that is for Azura herself or has to do with Azura worship, you'll have kind of a different take on it. He'll be like, wait a minute. Okay, what is actually going on here? Why does she want me to do this? So, yeah, some fun fun stuff to consider. But uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. And we'll be back next week talking about, I believe, we're going to do these alphabetical again. So, Boethia, I think, is probably the next one. Um, But, uh, Lotus, what do you have going on? Anything you want to share? So, um, we are actually not recording uh, my other show, Tales of Tamriel, this week because the next episode will be episode number 300 of Tales of Tamriel. 300? Um, yes, which is, which is quite a staggering uh, number. Um, we have a 
I'm sorry for the tease, but we have some announcements to make on episode 300 of some very good happenings. Uh, I would say check out uh, Elder Scrolls Online dot com because uh, your friends at Tales of Tamriel might be featured actually on there for episode 300. Um, So keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, (laughs) So. Some very interesting stuff uh, on the horizon over there for our big, I guess, anniversary, you'd call it. And um, yeah, we're still we're compiling what we can for, for, you know, episode 300, which will not be this Sunday, but the following Sunday. Um, and uh, yeah, if if any of you still have any uh, any memories of the show or funny moments with us, feel free to send them over to either myself or the Tales of Tamriel Twitter or uh, Dungeon Crawler Network at Gmail, uh, because we're just compiling them to add them to the show. And I've learned that there are a few moments in 300 episodes that like 90% of the community likes. <laughs> um, and apparently, yeah, we've said some memorably awkward things over the years. <laughs> Refrigerators. Refrigerators and me tongue slipping uh, on the intro to the show and making a really awkward drug reference. <laughs> nice. Yep. Yay, podcasts. So, yeah, that's uh, so very, uh, very exciting stuff over there. And that's pretty much what all of my attention has been on recently is organizing episode 300. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, that, I'm excited for that. Congratulations. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You've joined us for, I don't know, what have you been? You've been with us for like four episodes, maybe? Yeah, a few times. You've joined us a few times. A few times. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, I'm always happy to come back too. So. Uh, oh, you know it. Absolutely. Yeah, let me know. Gotta have the perma crossovers. Yeah, More dude. on the horizon. <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah, cool, cool. Uh, I'm still raising money for uh, Ukraine for some of the the um, people over there who need medical aid. So uh, we're up to $529. And that doesn't include the $100 that I'm chipping in. So technically $629. But we have a goal for the community of $600 now. It's pushed up again. So if you want to donate to help people in need, if you feel like you could go without like a coffee or something and want to ship in five or 10 bucks, uh, there is a link on the, uh, the Robots Radio Discord. It's probably the easiest place to find that in the announcements channel. Or you can check out the notes underneath the podcast or wherever you'll find you'll find links to that also in the live stream it keeps popping up in one of the uh, auto notifications so uh, we'd love to have you uh, just contribute I uh, I matched the first hundred thinking yeah maybe we'll get to the first hundred <laughs> and now we're at five hundred twenty nine dollars so you guys are so awesome. awesome thank you so much I'm just gonna keep this rolling uh, I was hoping to do some more live streams this last week in order to try to get more notification out to people about this but my brain decided to try to kill me for like five days i had like a five day long migraine and pushed through it took a lot of pain meds and continued to do the podcasts and things that i needed to get done while trying to get a lot of rest and just help my brain feel better today's the first day that i'm actually really starting to feel better so hopefully that's done hopefully i can get back to doing extra episodes like skyrim with my mom and some of the other things i've been meaning to get get you know to be doing um but that's what I've got going on. Also, Lord of the Rings Lorecast. I'll be working on wrapping up the next episode. That should be up for everybody on Monday. So we've got that going as well. And um, that's, you know, everything else is over at robotsradio.net. Lots of all sorts of other fun stuff. Um, so that's what we got going. We'll be back next week. And thank you again for everybody for tuning in. Thanks to all of our patrons. And until until next time, be uh, maybe think twice before trying to fool a Daedric Prince because... They might just decide to squash you like an ant.
because <laughs> they can and they don't have any qualms <laughs> about it. So even if it's Azura, be careful. All right, guys, we'll see you later. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. If you have something you'd like to contribute to the show, please reach out to us at Lorecast at gmail.com or on Twitter at ESO Lorecast. I really appreciate you listening and I'd love to hear from you soon. You've been listening to the Robots Radio Podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Once upon a time, 27 years after the bombs fell, there were two people, a vault dweller and a California girl. They met and sparks flew. That's when things got interesting. Once Upon a Wasteland is their story. Follow Elizabeth Kirby and Odessa Valdez as they pursue their happily ever after in the post-apocalyptic Appalachian wasteland of Fallout 76. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and many other podcasting platforms. Once Upon a Wasteland, a Fallout 76 love story. Available now.